It is time for the new Dan Vogler 4D Experience Podcast. Are you ready? Buckle in. Let's go for a ride. Okay, this is a very interesting episode of the Dan Fogler 4D experience. Hopefully no pirates will jump onto this feed. I am about to do a podcast. This is really for me. This is an extremely um, (laughs) cathartic. It's extremely cathartic podcast. Indeed, it is therapeutic. For now is the time of retrograde. I don't know if you guys know about this, but Jesus Christ, there's a hell of a lot of planets in retrograde, man. They're just spinning the opposite direction, which they say is their orbits are in the opposite direction. I don't know. Usually Mercury wreaks havoc, you know, just when it's in retrograde. (laughs) You know, it's uh, communication fails. Um, you, you know, emails delete. You know, it's like you lose term papers, that kind of thing. Uh, and now all of these planets are in retrograde. So what I guess cosmically what they're saying is that this is the time to lock down yourself, hunker down, I guess. Do exactly what we're all doing. (laughs) um, Meditate on um, trying to tie up loose ends and going back and dealing with uh, past grievances, things that you haven't dealt with in the past, past angst, you know, that's just kind of buried there. Um, It's the time to till the soil, you know. Oh, my next guest was my Moriarty. He was my, I don't know if he knows this. Maybe I was his. I was his, uh, he was my (laughs) arch nemesis for a while there. Um, Which is, which is very tricky. How do I attack this? When I was first starting out, um, you know, my, my reps were very excited about me, um, but they were just like, yeah, you're, you're like all these, you know, old guys, you're like Belushi, you're like fucking Gleason, you know, they were comparing me to these people who were, you know, icons of the past. And they were like, but, you know, there's no one like you right now. You know, there's no one like you. We need, you know, you need a role that just, like, puts you on the scene, you know. And I guess at the time, there were not a lot of, you know, uh, successfully uh, working, fuzzy, chubby, funny guys, you know, out there. Um, 
they always have that guy, but, you know, they were now looking for that guy. And so I'm on Broadway, and I'm like, developed a character, Mr. Barfay, Mr. Barfy, who has created him, you know, from episodes of my childhood, my brother's childhood. And this was, uh, this was my ticket, you know, whether I knew it or not. And I'm playing this character who has, um, he's goes to a private school, so he's got the, the uniform, you know, he's got the shirt and the tie with the striped tie, the white shirt untucked, and he's got the, um, the gray shorts, pull-up socks, shoes, and glasses, hair to the side. And that was, you know, the look I'd cultivated. It's a, you know, classic nerd look. And, um, and then I would look up and I would see these, you know, I'm on Broadway, I'm doing the show, and then I would see these billboards for School of Rock. Okay, my guest is not Jack Black. He is one of three to five individuals who came out of nowhere (laughs) during this scene where they were looking for, you know, the fuzzy, chubby, funny guy. And now, bam, there he is. There's Jack Black. Beat me to the chase there. And that's that's another brother from another mother. You know, very similar vibe to this cat. And... To see him, bam, okay, I'm on Broadway, but this guy is now <laughs> basically the same exact look, <laughs> you know, just in my face, billboard. So that was, that was the first one where I was just like, oh, shit. Well, okay, he was kind of cool because I was like, well, he's paving the way. There are folks like, like me out there. Let's get me out there. So then they were pitching me as basically Jack Black Jr., you know, Jack Black 2.0, you know. So I'm sure that was wonderful for Jack Black to hear every once in a while. Oh, this is just another kid. It's just like you. What's one Tony Award, you know? Uh, And then they're pushing me, you know, if you watch Balls of Fury, there were so many moments in that where I'm just like, fighting my Jack Blackiness because I'm, and I'm so Jack Blacky in that, in that movie. Um, and I was, in my mind, I was like, fuck, I, I don't, I want to be Dan Fogler. I want to, I don't want to be Jack Black. You know, I want to be Dan, I want to be Dan Fogler. But if this was, is this, if this is what gets me in the door, my, they can't get Jack Black, so they can get Dan Fogler fine. I'll fucking get in the door that way, you know? And another cat that I was consistently... Another person like that was Sam Kinison. A lot of people were like, hey, you're like Sam Kinison. I would just be like, I'm not. I'm not like Sam Kinison. Fuck. I'm not like that guy. I dig his, I dig his stand-up. But I'm not, not like that guy. You know, and I'm 
fucking Dan Fogler, damn it. So then I'm, you know, basically in this world trying to make my way in Hollywood with Jack Blacks in the world. And then where, where there was, you know, when it, when it rains, it pours. Where there was, it was desolate. There were no fat, fuzzy, funny guys. <laughs> Suddenly they were everywhere. <laughs> you know, and they all seemed to have the same exact hair and the same beard. And um, so then after Balls of Fury, I don't know if you people are following my career, but I had a, a, a major slump there where I was just like, you know, not getting much work. <laughs> and I was basically making my own work, um, which is great, you know. You gotta, you, during the down times, you, you have to create in order to, you know, keep stirring the pot. That's how I got noticed in the first place, you know. So a lot of cool stuff came out of that. My comic books, Don Peyote, all of these very interesting, but, you know, nowhere on the radar compared to a lot of the other fuzzy, f funny, fat guys. So here I am just, you know, just trying to fucking, like, just trying to climb up the mountain and all these other motherfuckers are getting in the helicopters, getting to getting very close to the top of the mountain. So then here comes another one was Galifianakis. Fuck. Here comes Galifianakis. He's not on my show. He's not the, he's not the guest. But here's another one. Um, then the fellow that, you know, then you got Seth, Seth Rogen, you know, Jonah Hill, his whole fucking crew. There you go. Bunch of fuzzy, funny guys. Struggling with their weight. <laughs> and they're just everywhere. Now, they're not on my show either. The guy's on my show. And, and, and I'm in a position where I'm just like, you know what, I, 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 I want to strive to be like the kind of actor that Philip Seymour Hoffman is, you know? He's a fat, fuzzy, funny guy, but he's also taken very, very, very seriously. God rest his soul. And so that's the person that I, whose acting I wanted to, you know, try to be most like. And here I am at the, in my mind, at the, at you know, that slump in my career, I'm at the back of the pack. I'm looking at a bunch of fuzzy asses, fuzzy funny asses running in front of me, okay? And one of these chubby fuzzy funny guys that came out of nowhere was the guy that is on my show. <laughs> and he... I did. I created this character, fucking William Morris Parfait, in the Spelling Bee show. Made my whole career, won the Tony Award. Kablam! I'm off to the races. I think. And this guy comes on as uh, my replacement, and I would come back to the show. You know the uh, 
the graduate of the show coming back, watching this very talented dude play my part, and you know, hearing all the stories behind the, the scenes about what was going on with this guy, and, and he'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, he had a minefield to navigate, and he was stepping into some you know, magic shoes there, and he did a wonderful job with that role. And that role most likely got him his next role to star in on Broadway. I, I think. I'm not sure, but probably. And um, so now this cat, Josh Gad, this guy is... You know, is a is a brother from another mother, man. You know, we could be related. And he takes off like a fucking bat out of hell. Alright? So now he's everywhere. He's fucking Olaf, right? And I'm fucking Don Peyote. Alright? So <laughs> So there was a time where my my dad actually sat me down for a morning breakfast where I was probably at my lowest. I was just like, fuck, man. <laughs> what the? You know, have, struggling to pay rent and, you know, wondering if my representation was even working for me anymore. They weren't. Um, and I, you know, I was I should have transitioned away from it a long time ago, but I needed to you know uh, to to do some growing up, and this portion of my life was a huge lesson because if I didn't get this slump in between uh, in between uh, Balls of Fury and and my career today, if I didn't have that slump, I don't know if I would have been able to be Jacob, you know. Um, I don't know if I would have had the humility because I had won the Tony Award. I was suddenly, you know, everyone was praising me left and right. I was doing a movie with uh, Christopher Walken. I was getting all of these offers. And then that movie, you know, didn't make that much money. And then my you know, career basically went to hell. Um, but um, if my career didn't uh, dip at that point, if I just kept on going up and up and up and up, I would have had the, the just uh, unconscionable. I just would have been a fucking asshole with the gigantic ego, just like, and I would have been totally blind to it. I've just been like, yeah, no, I'm the god. I'm God's gift to Earth. I mean, it says so in my contract. Now you better separate all of the M and M's into separate bowls and break them in half because I can't eat a whole M and M. Um, that would have been that guy. And it would have been just awful. I would have been a bad, just an asshole. <laughs> so, <clears throat> very happy to <clears throat> be the person I am today. But during that uh, slump, um, my dad came to me right at the, 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 the bottom, bottom of the, the well there. And... I remember I'm sitting there, and he t- 
takes me out for bagels. And he says something to the effect of, you know, because he was an actor. He, he was an actor, and his parents basically said to him, you know what, you're good, but you should go be a doctor. That's more stability. And so that's what he did. And so here he is sitting across from me, and he says, you know, I see all these other guys uh, with the beards. <laughs> and they just, they, you know, this Galifianakis kid, he looks like you, and now, you know, uh, Gad has, you know, uh, run past you in the race, and I'm just, you know, I'm wondering if, uh, if, um, you know, your, your representation is working for you. If, so basically saying all the things that I, that I knew, you know. It's like, no, Dad, they're not. They're not. I'm just fucking sitting there. You know, they're just passing me around. Um, and it was, at that point, I was so very, very um, hopeless. I really didn't have, I, 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 what could I do? I wasn't in a position. I I had I had no momentum, as they say, you know, I, that they could work with. And like, get this, like my agents at the time, who were just like so gung ho with me at the beginning. They were like, "Up, oh, there's this kid out there. There's this this Gad kid. He's in this." You know, 21 movie, he's really funny in it, man. He's really funny. They're saying that he's, uh, you know, he's Dan 2.0. You got to watch out for this kid. And I'm looking, at my, I'm looking at my agent who should be, you know, fighting for me. And uh, saying, you know, don't worry about this guy. You know, focus on yourself. Like he should have been, you know, uh, giving me some wisdom. He, he, it, it almost seemed like he had given up on me, you know? And, and I was in that situation for a while. I, I should have gotten out of it. I should have looked around and said, wow, my, my representation has given up on me. Um, I should have noticed. And I'm just too loyal. And, uh, and I, I would go to airports... And I would travel and, you know, doing small movies and trying to scare up work. And, and I would go and every single store, everywhere I looked was Olaf. Olaf. <laughs> I just got, I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? I mean, you couldn't go. Any, I mean, it's crazy. You can't, you couldn't go anywhere without seeing that snowman. And then if it's fucking Christmas, good night, everybody. You know, that guy's everywhere. And then even my business partner was just like, oh, man, my kids love this movie, you know. You got to see this snowman. You got to see. And I'm watching it, and he's singing, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the summer song. And it's fucking entertaining as hell. As hell. Of course it's entertaining as hell. It's It's... Is Josh Gad's talent and and mixed with Disney, you know, and I'm and I'm watching it, 
and looking at my own business partner, go, and it's just, just being like, everybody was just in love with this, this Olaf character, you know? And so that was, that was a very tough time for me. And on the other hand, I have this estranged brother that I wrote a play about. And his name is Jason. And the play is called Little Exodus. And it's, it's uh, basically about my family trying to deal with my brother's estrangement. Because we're still trying to figure out what the hell happened. And when I, just in a nutshell, when I lost my brother to this estrangement, I asked the universe, I was like, man, I lost my brother, man. Like, how can I get him back? You know, in so many words. And I realize now that I can't get him back. It's all in my brother's hands. He has to be the one that makes the decision to come back. Um, but in that time, what the universe gave me was that play, which was a huge cathartic thing for me to deal with his, the loss of him. But it also gave me all of these brothers from other mothers. And I just look at this clan of all of these fat, fuzzy, funny guys that came out of nowhere and have now dominated the comedy scene. And right now, I'm finally at a stage, well, I mean, over the last couple of years, I've, I've, I've come to peace with it. Getting the Fantastic Beast role out of nowhere, that was a huge uh, help to get over the slump, obviously, and um, the jealousy of other people's careers. Uh, I got some really smart advice early on um, from an acting teacher named Eric Loeb, um, who gave me a lot of great advice early on that it took me years for it to, took years for it to sink in but one of the things he one of the first things he said was <clears throat> you know uh, get you're talented get together with all your talented friends write all your skills down on a piece of paper and then write a show around that okay that's what we did with spelling bee I mean that he basically told me that that's how you <laughs> you get noticed um, the other thing he said is that this is not a marathon, you know. I mean, it's um, it's not a race. You're not you're not going against other people. This is a uh, this is endurance. This is this is a war. Everybody is in this together, you know. And this this is basically what you have. It's like storming Normandy. You got to focus on. You're on the beach. You got to get forward. It's fucking chaos. There's gunfire everywhere. 
people all around you are either being scooped up and taken to the front or they're just being eliminated, <laughs> you know, um, all around you. And what you have to focus is what you have to focus on is the two feet of sand in front of you. Just get, just focus on you. Just focus on, get your body forward. That's all you got to do is just focus on you. Focus on you. And then when you get to a point where you're at a perch, where you're safe, then look around. Look around. See who's alive around you. Band together and move forward again. Okay? Because you're, you're all in it together, you know? But if, you're, if you don't focus on yourself and you focus on what the other guy's doing, you're going to get knocked out. You're going to get knocked out. Um, and so I, that, that recently sunk in, that all the times that I excelled in my career, I was just focusing on what I was doing and putting my effort into that and, and just trying to focus on that. Nothing else. And that's when the universe blessed me. So that's my mindset, man. And I, I'm at the point where I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to praise and appreciate all these brothers from other mothers because I'm so connected to this guy coming up. He is my brother. He, we, you know, we came up out of the same role. Um... There's so many similarities, and um, it's not if you can't beat them, join them, you know? It's, it's, it's the appreciation of another actor who, you know, you, can, you can't do everything. You can't do every single project. And there's a lot of projects out there. And you have to applaud one of these other brothers from other mothers. When they succeed. Because that mindset helps, helps humanity. It helps you realize we're all connected. We're all brothers and sisters. It's not just us. We're not a single raindrop. You know, we're we're part of the fucking ocean. We're both. And that's connected to something much, much bigger. And that frequency, living on that frequency, the love vibe, the appreciation vibe. That's just good health for you, and, and that ripples out to the rest of the world, you know. Whatever Gandhi said, be the change, right? So, um, not to get too deep. Maybe we will, we will get super deep. Um, but I just want to have some fun with this guy. And just point out all of these these connections that he and I have. And... I just want to show him my support. That's where I'm at now. So here he is, Mr. Josh Gad. Olaf. The snowman 
of the ages. The Iceman cometh. <laughs> Deep breath. Hello. Hello. Hi. What are you wearing? Oh, I am in my finest uh, pajamas right now. Pajama bottoms. Yeah. Uh, I have a lovely loose-fitting sweater on the top. Really going all in for this today. Yeah. Are you, are you lounging? Are you on your couch? Oh no, I'm in a I'm in a seat that has I I shit you not a recliner, and I'm really excited about it because I'm just gonna recline and sit back and just enjoy those dulcet tones of yours as uh, as we do this. Do you know that when I emailed you, I emailed you. The title of it was Spartacus. How do you how do you interpret that? <laughs> I you know how I interpret it. I interpret it as like a really like a a, a, a sort of a Borschfeld joke ahead of its time and also behind its time. Like it's yeah. somewhere caught it's somewhere caught in the Catskill Mountains. Uh, of yesteryear, but also like it's old enough to be new again. I wanted to do a thing where I was just like, where I answered the phone like that, where I was just like, I Spartacus. <laughs> and then I was hoping that you would also say, I'm, I'm Spartacus. I can still do it. It's not too late. I am Spartacus. Right, how, how is that? <laughs> For the listeners, um, the way I spelt it, it wasn't the the, the original spelling of Spartacus. No, it's it not was not the original spelling. No, I, I added the word tukus in there, which is Yiddish for tushin. That's Yiddish. That's why I, that's yeah. why I call it a great spell joke. I yes. it's and it's and it's actually tukus. The problem with the joke is it's not observing the actual Yiddish. Um, oh. affectation that's meant to come with it because you got to really sell that sound. Oh, God. You know, I, I, uh, I'm from Brooklyn, so it was more of like a, it was quick. It was just like, yeah, tukus. Ah, tukus. what is it? Yeah, you got a nice, like you got a nice tukus there. Where's that going? That's now, of course, <laughs> you could only speak like that, um, in the, in, at any time, uh, before recent events, obviously, and I would encourage nobody at home to use that term uh, affectionately or otherwise uh, when calling after somebody. But yes, uh, tukus <laughs> would be, uh, I think, the way to previously say it. My grandparents, both Yiddish, um, yeah. would constantly use the word, and, and there would be a lot of spit and projectile um, involved <laughs> in, in it, in the tukus. <laughs> You, so you have an extremely, you have an extremely Jewish name. Did you know that? <laughs> I did know that. I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of it. I wish I could. Awesome. I wish I could shake things up and and give just like a little Gentile um, element to like at least a part of my name to be just. That's more, my parents. Uh, my parents. <laughs> my parents squeeze. My parents squeezed in the most Irish name they could possibly find in the middle of my name. So my name is 
My name is Daniel. I'm Daniel Kevin Fogler. Like, Kevin? Where did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know why I have such a Jewy name, Dan. I, 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 it's funny because, I, first of all, I was supposed to be Jenny Gad. Like, I was a huge oh. disappointment. I was a huge disappointment to my parents oh. who had already had Jason and Jeff. And I was just meant to, I think I was meant to have a vagina. And, I, and when I wasn't born with one, I think that they were just like, oh, God, another boy. Uh, so they just were like, hey, let's call him Josh. It's, it's easy to say. It's one syllable. Let's just get it out of the way. Um, it, but, but yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely feel like I wear, uh, like I wear the, you know, the old Testament, uh, as a, as a heavy chain around my name. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever, have you ever analyzed it? Like I, this is what I do for my, 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 you know, awesome guests that come on the show. I, I basically, tell me, well, everyone... tell me what you found. I know that Gad is one of the original tribes of Israel. And Joshua oh, yeah. is obviously very referenced. And then my middle name is Elon, which is like legitimately Hebrew. But tell me what you found. Yeah, right on. Okay. I mean, it's, it's, I do this for everybody. So Joshua. No, no. It's intense. Everyone has this like intense fucking haiku name. You know? <laughs> it's like poetry name, you know, that lives in the, in the ether. Um, this is your poetry name. <laughs> Give it, give it Joshua is fucking intense. See, Daniel is God is my judge. Joshua uh-huh. is God. God is salvation. Oh fuck! What? That's like yeah. That's going all in. That's going all in. That is a name that's not hedging its bets. That's a name that parents only name you if they're fucking terrified of the afterlife. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, they are. I mean, it's like, we got to squeeze in the homage to God here. <laughs> <laughs> um, one more last no, no, one. That, let's, let's, make, let's make sure to go out with a bang. All right, and then, and then what? Elon. Elon, that's your middle name, right? Elon? That's my middle name. Tree, right? That's tree. Oak tree, yeah, oak tree. Okay, so, so far you got God is salvation, oak salvation. tree. Oh, oak tree. <laughs> Gad. Gad. Gad is the real know, fucking doozy. Gad literally Gad's means, the doozy. Yeah. Gad literally means fortunate, lucky uh, in Hebrew. And in the Old Testament, um, Gad is the first son of Jacob. Okay? Yep. And, uh, and the ancestor of one of the 12 tribes of the, the, the fucking Israelites. Okay, you said that already. I mean, right. So it, Gad, Gad is like embedded in the Bible. No, it, that is that's insane. You know that like to name you to name a child one letter away from the big guy is ballsy, yeah. right? Like that's balls right there. So already <laughs> I'm 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 burdened with being one letter away from from the most powerful being uh, in the universe, and then. On top of that, we have oak tree, and and also a reminder that he is salvation. Yeah, I've never quite realized how much of a kiss ass name my parents gave me. Like, like <laughs> to beg forgiveness. For- 
until now, I never realized that I, they really wanted to kiss his ass. That's really that's a powerful realization. Well, hold on, hold on. Your name is also a, like the fucking like a like a, a haiku that you could say, and then the the walls of Jericho would come down. You know, it's just like <laughs> you just say you say these words: God is salvation, oak tree, <laughs> fortune. And then that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Were you? It sounds like something. It sounds like something that like would be revealed in the third act of an Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> like that. Like doesn't it sound like something that Indy would have to say yes. in order to open like some sort of covenant with God? He turns to you very angrily. So it's your name. <laughs> by the way. That's a really Well, I learned that from Ross Marquand, so I can't take full credit. Ooh, but, that's um, a good one, Dan. Do you know what your name is backwards? You know, speaking of Han Solo? Because that's your Star Tell Wars me. name. So me, your, what your is Star it? Wars name is, is awesome. It's Dagnali uh, Osage. Dagnali Osage. Ooh, Dagnali Osage is actually a great Star Wars name. I know. Like a like a weird a weird alien like bartender who also has the secret to Luke's origin. Ah. Oh, I love it. I love to telling people their Star Wars names because then they like create the fucking character before your eyes. Yeah. I'm that. gonna pitch that character. I'm gonna pitch that character. <laughs> I just spin up. <laughs> um, were you born misfit, man? Of course I was born misfit. Yeah. Oh, God, the most what stressful you... shit ever. I forgot yeah. a passage. I thought I was doing such a good fucking job. And then, of course, like, I thought I nailed it, finished it. And after I finish, I look back, and, and the rabbi is just looking at me with like a grimace on his face and he goes, you, you left out the first line of the second passage of the Torah. And I was like, oh, God. Well, people are following along in the fucking book. I mean, it's not like, like what is it, you know, what do I do now? Do I go back and do that line? And it was just so pissed that like that defined my bar mitzvah is just that one fucking line that I forgot that the rabbi was so bitter about. Holy shit, man. And then was he always just like looking at you like through the side of his eye during high holidays, just being like, you. Yeah. Well, now I wonder, now I'm left wondering if like the guys who took steroids in baseball, I'm going to have an asterisk next to my bar mitzvah. Like, did I really <laughs> get bar mitzvah? Like, exactly. it, it, am I, am I a legitimate man, Dan? I don't know. I totally fucked up my bar mitzvah. I had a, dude, you think, dude. I was, I was, okay, I was, what happened was, you know, the, the whole tradition of the kids throwing the bags of candy after, they just throw, like, yes, and they whip the yes. candy at you? Okay. Of course. So, so there was this whole rash of, like, kids getting whipped with the candy and, like, really getting hurt. <laughs> and I see all the kids in the audience just, like, getting their fucking candy ready, and I'm just, like, I'm, I'm getting, like, nervous. And I'm just, like, holy fuck, I better duck. I'm just going to fucking duck behind the podium before it is. 
And I'm in the middle of my Haftorah, and I think I'm doing great. I'm just like, okay, I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm going to slow down a little just so I can get my bearings here, so I can hide at the right time. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I get to the middle, and I look up, and I see this kid just, like, fucking cracking his knuckles. And I'm like, fuck. And I look down, and I'm lost. I'm lost because I learned the fucking thing phonetically. I don't know what the fuck I'm looking at. I look like fucking right. spaghetti to me. I don't, right? So I'm just like, right. I start just, I just start saying anything. I just start saying any prayer that I remember. And it's some like morning prayer. And I see people like turning around, like looking at each other like, wait, what the fuck is he? And then, and then the, <laughs> the rabbi is next to me. Suddenly both rabbis are next to me. And my knees are shaking now. My knees. I'm just like the first bow to stage for I'd ever had. My, my knees are like, like audibly shaking. So now the fucking two rabbis are by my side. It was like a pit team. They were trying to get me back on track. And they're like holding my legs. <laughs> they're just like holding my legs at my sides. Just like trying like with their knees. They're like pressing their knees into my knees. Just trying to stop my legs from shaking. And they're pointing with the big golden finger pointer at the hot photo book. And they're just like, there, oh, there. And I'm wow. looking up at him going, I don't, I can't, I don't know what the fuck that says. <laughs> it was a disaster. <laughs> So he just kind of whispers what I'm supposed to say to me. And then I get back on course and I'm singing it. I finish it. Oh, God, thank God. And I fucking oh, no, it's duck. Fucking and it was scary. like storming it's... Normandy, man. The fucking I'm rabbis like... were getting hit. I was and I'm like hiding behind the fucking the podium, just like scraping up candy that's falling on the floor around me. You know? <laughs> I'm what exactly fucking... like you. I learned it all. I learned it all phonetically. I fucking cheated the system. And you and I yeah. both paid the price for that because once you lose the once you lose the rhythm and once you lose it, you can't fucking make it up. You can't like you can't improv your way through your bar mitzvah. There's no like <laughs> you know joke that you can make to get out of it. No, it's a hundred percent right. Um, you went to uh, you went to Carnegie Mellon. That was um, I went to Carnegie Mellon uh, pre pre college. No shit. You never told me that. Yeah. I, I went there the first time I was a junior and I went for a musical theater. And it was the only, I was the, I think I was the only straight guy in the entire program. So that was, that was an amazing, <laughs> an amazing summer. <laughs> so I went back for more the next year for the drama program, but I, I never ended up going there because I never went to class. I was just constantly, you know, having a good time. But, um, but you went there. So what was it like? What was it like going there? Do you remember any of your teachers? Well, I remember the, you know, Professor McGonagall, which was basically Liz. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Liz was there my freshman year and then she retired. I, I was so pissed because Liz was somebody who was essentially like the equivalent of Professor McGonagall, and and she was somebody that like was such a an icon and a legend, um, along with people like Maude and Kisilov, and and the, these are people who have been there like for generations. So my teachers were um, Tony McKay, Barbara McKenzie Wood, Ingrid Sonicson. Uh, Cap Warman and um, and uh, trying to think um, Janelle. Uh, there were there. I had all these teachers 
who have been, literally been there for ages uh, and are still there. Um, you know, going there was akin to going to Hogwarts in many ways. Like, you're in this tight-knit group. It's, it's a very, uh, you know, kill or be killed kind of mentality. We were sort yeah. of there at the tail end of the cut system, and instead of cutting uh-huh. people at that point, they would, they would kindly encourage you not to, to take a year off. Like, that's what they would do, because I, I guess uh, it, it, it wasn't, you know, necessarily good practice to cut people anymore when they were paying $40,000 a year. Uh, but but it, was, uh, it was an incredible time. It was a, a real time of, like, figuring out who the fuck I was and, like, what I really was capable of, uh, if anything. And it was a time of just a lot of partying and, and craziness and, like, Dionysian, um, you know, endeavors. And, and, uh, and it took yeah. me actually taking that semester off and going to the National Institute of Dramatic Arts, NIDA, in Australia to really fucking understand what the hell I was learning. Because, you know, the whole idea is they break you of your habits. But for yeah. somebody like me who's, who's so dependent on habits... <laughs> It was really hard to figure out how to navigate that and and not come out of it being a shittier actor than when I went in, um, you know, because so much of what I do is based on impulse, uh, and and that was tricky. That was tricky. My um, my big question here is because I went to conservatory and I'm a, I'm a couple years older than you, so I was I was in it, and. Um, that was that was I was I went to BU and that was super stressful, um, yep. and just the, the cut system and because I was constantly on what they would call warning. <laughs> I was always on warning right. up until junior year. They were like, all right, we, I guess we're gonna keep up, you know. And, <laughs> you know, and uh, <laughs> it was like it was it was rough, man, and, and really, really uh, amazing people who went on to do amazing things got cut from. Be you. So it's like it was like so. You know, what is that? You know, what 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 is that consortium system? Was it just causing more stress than not? People in my class, a couple guys lost their minds. Like I, you know, my roommate. I came home and he was so stressed that he even get cut. He fucking thought he was a a fucking prophet. You know, it was crazy. And and the, and the thing that that I was most haunted about was the weight thing. And it was, now I chose BU because I saw all shapes and sizes, but there was a moment yeah. there when I was in sophomore year where they were like, okay, this is it. And then they, many of my teachers made suggestions like, you know, maybe if you got more into a, um, a Robin Williams body, you know? Uh, and I was That's like, so wait, fascinating. It's yeah. so fascinating that you say that, and I'll tell you why. My sophomore year, I went through a huge transformation. I lost 100 pounds. Oh, and, fuck. Um, yeah, I lost 100 pounds, and Dan, I shit you not, it's because of the same sort of stress factors that you found yourself in at the year. Yeah. Um, you know, fuck that noise. Like, I, honestly, like, here's the thing, is I have my, I owe my career to Dan Fogler. Uh, and, and I say that openly. Like, you, you paved the way for me. And I, I don't understand a world in which everybody would need to be the same archetype. I don't want to live in a world in which everybody is, has the same waistline. 
you know, from a health perspective, I obviously take, you know, my my being overweight seriously, and, and I try to really, uh, you know, be as healthy as possible for, for myself and my kids. But I, I really resented that pressure that I felt. And I changed my body, I think, because I felt like if I didn't, I would be an outsider at the school, you know, when so many of the people in my class were defined by their looks. Um, I definitely felt like I was at the tail end. Um, And, you know, when I came back, I was suddenly more viable. I was suddenly more, um, more ripe for, uh, for any opportunities. But here's a fact. Uh, I didn't, I no longer felt like I knew how to do what I needed to do in that body. I didn't know comedically what my point of view was anymore. I didn't, I didn't, I felt like I was living uh, a lie. Like I felt like I was living in, in, uh, in somebody else's body and, and it was great. It was, it was amazing, but it was really rough. I, I recently lost a bunch of weight at 40 and I'm struggling with um, just like getting into my body. It took me, it took me a little while and to, to really settle in. I can't imagine what that would be like in college, man. It was intense. It was intense. And, and I, look, I, I loved it uh, because at the time, um, let's say I was also one of the only straight people at school. <laughs> so it was from, from that yeah. perspective, it was a lot of fun. But I yeah. definitely, I definitely lost myself to some extent. I lost, I lost a sense of who I was. I lost a sense of what I could do. Um, And, you know, and it's a constant struggle because I, I, now that I'm a public persona like you, I, I feel like people know me as something. And so like, inevitably, uh, like yourself, I I think I'm, I'm, really trying to focus on my health, primarily my health. We're, we're dads, and and that is so important. Uh, but also, I know what I am. I know how people perceive me, and, and that's a tough thing to balance. It's so fucking tough, man. It's so tough. And I, I Congrats just, on the weight I, loss, by the way. How did you do it? Yeah, I was about to ask you how you did it in college. How I did it uh, recently was it was – I had to do it. I fucking hit 40 and my, my whole digestive, uh, you know, system slowed down. Like I, I was like, wow, I can't eat this shit anymore that I used to love eating. And so I literally had to cut long story short, basically everything, you know, processed out of my diet. Anything that was hard to digest, I just had to cut it out. And yeah, that was that was the first uh, that was about the first sixty pounds that I lost, and then I was in this fucking keto you know frame of mind where I don't know if it was keto I was doing my own thing where I was um, intermittent fasting and doing this no processed anything and and often um, you know, juicing, stuff like that. And I was in that frame of mind for a while, and I was like, you know, how? what is my actual weight? What am I supposed to be, you know? And right. I went down to I went down to about 160, and that's where my body was just like, this, Whoa. Is, this is it. 
this is it, pal. This is what you would, you know, this is your your frame. Otherwise, this this works for your frame. Otherwise, you start to, and, and I, I started to have people, and, and, and I, I did an episode of the Goldbergs when I was at my thinnest. And um, they actually wrote into the episode that I, that I had a fucking uh, tapeworm, that I was very proud of it, too. <laughs> it <was fun>. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, because everyone was just like, everyone was looking at me because they were like, dude, I do it every, you know, Thanksgiving episode. They were like, dude, last year you were fucking, you were, I lost 100 pounds <laughs> by the time, you know. So it was actually, I did it over two years. So it was very drastic. So I got to 160 pounds and I, I had people, let me know if people said this to you in college. People would be sitting there, of all shapes and sizes, of all intelligences, would, would tell me, uh, would, would look at me and say, hey, um, are you okay? And I, I didn't oh, be like, are you, yeah. you know, are you, oh, are yeah. you dying? I got, I got are you dying? And then I would I be got, like. I got all of that. And then I'd be like, no, 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 I'm perfectly healthy, probably the healthiest I've ever been in my life. And then they would just be like, well, in that case, you look fucking great, man. So I was just like, <laughs> like I couldn't deal with that dichotomy there. I was like, stop it. The death and the, the, the you know, appreciation. That was just weird, you know. And, and uh, so I was like, fuck, I, I better, just for my own psych- psychology, I was like, I, I have to, I got to gain a couple more pounds here. Just so I don't, so I, I, I petered out, I, I petered off at around 180, you know, like that's, that's basically where I'm trying to, but it's fucking hard, man. So, so when, when you were in college, you, people were looking at you like you were dying, like what, what happened? People looked at me like I was dying. I, not only did I lose a hundred pounds, I dyed my hair blonde. I mean, I, I just went to fucking, wow. I, I like, I just changed my entire look. I went all in and, and, and and it was because I felt so, um, it felt so foreign to be in that body. Um, and, you know, at the same time, like, I wow. just was looking to shed some skin and, and change my, you know, persona and my, my personality. And and it was really interesting. It was really hard. And, and, um, and you know, my whole life has been a struggle with weight. I mean, it, it, it will always be a, a struggle with weight. I mean... It, I'll tell you, it doesn't fucking help that I'm stuck in a house right now with nothing but food yeah. and television to keep me company. But you know, it's it's also um, it's also I think incredibly important as as we get older and, and I'm about to be forty uh, that 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 I uh, I can, I just do what I can to to keep as healthy as possible, especially right now. It's it's tough, man. Let me know if you it's tough. You want, you need, want tips, you know? I, yeah, but, um, I, uh, dude. Always, 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 always. Like when I lost my weight, surprisingly, here's how it started. One day, I shit you not, I went home for the summer. I jumped in my parents' pool, and I just started swimming like a hundred laps a day. Whoa. And then the weight just started pouring off. It just started pouring off. Um, now right. I can swim a hundred laps and like, I'll gain like five pounds of water weight. Right. Right. You absorb the water. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking metabolism. <laughs> but then, okay. So then, right. So then here comes Mr. Barfay, right? So, so who is a celebration, a celebration of all of these, you know, problems that I had growing up. 
being overweight and you know and allergies and so here so here's here's this character who and I can't believe you said that but I guess made this character made help make the both of us man and and, and that's crazy to me this man it's making well, me fucking it, it is it is it is insane but I want to but I want to I want to just let me blow smoke for a second because I've never gotten to publicly say this to you. I've said it to plenty of other people. I would not have a career if not for Dan Silver. Like, Dan, you created one of the most brilliant things to ever be on a Broadway stage. Ever. I mean, you, the role of William Barfay is so specific and so tailor-made to your comedic genius. And it was like watching John Belushi at the height of his powers um, every time I watched you, uh, and I was blessed enough to watch you multiple times before I had the unenviable task of following the footsteps. It was just, it was such a joy. I, I never grew tired of seeing how you would take these these words and, and and these movements that only you were capable of and bring this this beautiful beast of nature to life. Um, and the truth is, is I was on the precipice of quitting acting. I was going to go to law school. I was really tired of, of rejection and disappointment. Uh, and I, and I, this audition. You were going to law uh, school? Is that what you said, law school? I was going to go to law school. I was going to go to law wow. school. My brothers are both. My brothers both went to law school, became lawyers, and and I and I called my mom and I told her this, and she was crying and really disappointed in me. And I said, "Well, why?" And and I've met your parents' uh, absolute mentions, and and my mom is yeah. sort of a similar breed, and and was really. She said to me, "You've spent your entire life dreaming of being an actor, and only three years." of living out that dream. And I think that that's a cop-out. And that gave me the courage to go on this open call audition for the show called 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. And you were coming to the end of your run um, uh, and uh, having won the Tony. And um, I was terrified. I was terrified. Um, and, and I walked in and I, and I did this. And, and, and the, the, the beauty is, and the only reason I think I got it, was because I didn't have the money to see the show. So I never saw you perform it before I auditioned for it. So I couldn't copy you because if I had seen it, I would have fucking copied every single thing you did because I wouldn't have known any other way to play that character. Um, so it was Crazy. really, it was an insane thing. And, and Dan, you were so beautiful and incredible and encouraging. And, and that was a really rough year for me. I felt really, really, really had a lot of ups and downs. Um, it, you know, I think um, nobody could ever replace you. And, and I think that the the weight of literally having to replace a Tony Award winner for a role that was synonymous with your performance was so hard. Um, and, and I could never live up to that challenge. But it was also incredible because, you know, you did something that meant so much to me which is you would occasionally pop in and check in on me and you would watch the show. And I always felt so much safer when you were around because I felt like, I felt like 
the master was in the house and to be able to give back to you uh, a, a, a slim shade of what you gave to me was, was such a joy and an honor. So thank you. Dude, thank you. Holy Jesus. That was, that was uh, lovely. I, um, thank you. I, when I came to see you, you know, it was for many reasons. It was to see who was, this was like Mr. Barfi is like my cousin, you know, because he's born out of, <laughs> you know, my life and my brother's life. And so I, I wanted to see who was going to be basically playing my cousin, you know, and, and, and I, um, I was impressed. I was like, this is great. Fuck. This is a, this is, I'm very happy. I was very happy leaving uh, that character in your hands. And the other thing was, <laughs> was that I wanted to make sure that the, um, you know, I, I like to live in the world of uh, Zen, you know, uh, like I like things to be calm seas. <laughs> and, um, maybe that's the yeah. leader in me. But I would, you know, hear little things like, because you had a rough time, like you said, you had a rough time. I had a, with, uh, I had a fucking the, rough time. Lapine? Yeah, Lapine say, gave you a rough let's time? Just say that, let's just say that James Lapine did not take lightly to you leaving that show. And he's, and he's since been so gracious and, and apologetic to me, but I had a really hard time. Good. And it was a lot of, I don't think I could ever live up to what you did, and I don't think anybody could live up to what you did. And it was... Um, it was an interesting period because I was – what should have been so joyful but became in many ways really painful uh, just because I always felt like I was failing um, him because uh, he made it very clear that I was, that I was not doing what he – I think what he wanted me to do. Uh, and, and, and in many ways it was like my sanity was only kept afloat by – by having, you know, you come into that building and, and, and be a presence, a steadying presence. Uh, it was, oh, it was buddy. rough. It was rough. But isn't that the, isn't that the fucking way with the universe is teaching you something? It's like you're down, you're fucking down at your lowest and you're just like, okay, um, I finally got a fucking glimpse of air here, a little piece of light. I'm going to fucking, I got this show. And then, the universe is just like, okay, how much do you really want it? You know, it's just like, oh, beat the shit it's out so of you. True. It's so true. I, I honestly, I could never, ever, ever have imagined what a, what a, a giant fucking roller coaster ride that show is going to be. And it, and it really was. And, and, you know, it was so, somebody once said to me, um, I think it was Sarah who said it. I can't remember who said it to me. But they said to me, you will never get out of um, uh, of um, our, our director's uh, uh, line of fire because he could not control Dan. Dan was that Dan created that character. And that yeah, character could not to. be necessarily directed because it, it was you. You you were that guy, right? You you brought you breathed that character to life. So I was the opportunity for Lapine to actually sink his teeth and his hands into and he would not let the clutches go. Right. Yes, and it was really hard. It was really hard. Um, now granted there are far less talented, brilliant uh, people to have their uh, clutches on you than 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 the legend <laughs> like like him, 
but it was for a young, you know, 23-year-old to 25-year-old, whatever I was at the time. I didn't quite know how to process it, and it, and it was just anxiety-inducing. And, okay, so you survived Spelly Bee, and so then did people, did, did Matt and Trey, like, see you in that and say, this is our guy for the uh, Book of Mormon? Like, what, like, no. what was the... No, I, so, so Spelling Bee was incredible because it was, as you know, an amazing showcase, right? It, that, that character is just a, it's a brilliant showcase. And so, you know, casting directors and, and other people came to see the show, and and um, and it and it put, it allowed me to put my uh, magic foot, if you will, through the door, uh, and get opportunities that I I hadn't otherwise had. So I was starting to to be seen for different roles, to audition for different things, and and uh, I you know I started to kind of book these jobs um, as like the best friend or or the, the geeky neighbor, whatever it was. And I, and I, I felt really, really excited because it, I was getting opportunities on screen, which, which I had always wanted. But I also felt unfulfilled. Like, artistically, I felt completely unfulfilled. And frankly, I, I was really sort of, I felt like I had unfinished business on the stage because Spelling Bee was, frankly, your baby. And I, and I babysat for a year. Um, and and I wanted an opportunity to create something from scratch on the stage and 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 have that experience of giving birth to a character uh, from from the beginning of the process. And I um I got a call one day from Bobby Lopez uh, who had written Avenue Q, and he said, yeah, "Listen, sure. I heard your his Bobby's best." And he said, I, "Listen, I heard your voice on a recording you guys did for a charity." Um, uh, from Spelling Bee. And we had done this charity sort of uh, like singing thing. I, I forget what the song was, but but uh, we sang this thing. And he, and he said, you, you have a great voice. We're doing this workshop of this show called uh, Book of Mormon. It's me and the South Park guys. would love for you to, to do the reading with us. And I said, great. It was only after I did the, the reading that Bobby admitted to me that the voice that he thought he heard on that demo was actually not mine, but my co-star Barrett Foa, who had taken over for Jesse Tyler Ferguson. So it was like an accidental casting. Uh, that, that just really, <laughs> that just really um, kind of fell into my lap. Uh, and, and, you know, from there, uh, we continued to workshop Mormon for an additional two years. I would come back and forth to New York uh, about four more times, uh, two or three years, and then uh, got the news in about two, in around 2010 that it was going to go to Broadway. And I, and at that time, I was sort of I found my footing, and I was getting those roles regularly on film and TV, but they were again unsatisfying. And I looked at my team and I said, I want to go back to the stage, and they were all perplexed. Because uh, it was like a, I had to sign a one-year contract, uh, my wife was perplexed too, and I said, "I just I feel like I have to do this," and I did, uh, and and the rest is sort of history. Fuck yeah, it is. And <laughs> and then how? <laughs> and, and those guys are geniuses, man. Like, geniuses. were you working with them on a regular basis? Were you working with them? On- I I was Trey Trey and that you know. They're so fucking smart, and you and I grew up 
probably loving the same shit. And South Park was, uh, I mean, that was it. That was like the be all end all. Uh, Team America and South Park are just two of the greatest comedies of all time. Um, and I had, prior to that, I had, you know, been, uh, I had been a Daily Show correspondent for a couple of months before Book of Mormon became official. So I had already that. had, I, I had already had this master class in satire from, I think, one of the greatest living satirists of all time, um, John Stewart. And so I, I was able to, to really kind of absorb and, and, and get a feel for uh, what it was like to work with somebody so fucking intimidating. Uh, but, but nothing can really prepare you for, for what Trey and Matt offer. Um, and and they're, they're such geniuses that it takes a while to feel even remotely comfortable suggesting anything. But after a while, you know, they really let me sink my teeth into Elder Cunningham and really create not only this role uh, from the inside out so that it reflected all of my comedic instincts, but, but you know, play with, with improv and crazy shit. Like the whole Nabalungi runner where I call her all these names, that, that literally came out of me fucking around in rehearsals. So it was a very, um, it was a very collaborative experience and one that uh, despite the overwhelming intimidation I felt being in the presence of those two insane geniuses along with Bobby Lopez, I, um, I, I just couldn't imagine um, a, a, a better end result than, than what we all achieved. Um, it was everything I hoped it would be and so much more. There are, um, so there are certain roles that obviously you and I have crossed over on and, um, and I, you know, <laughs> yeah, the history of the, of the wedding ringer. Yes. I, I cannot fucking believe that. I didn't know that until after I did that movie. So it was like, wasn't it called the Golden Shower or the the Golden? What was it? <laughs> the Golden Something, right? It was called the Golden Tux. Okay, the, the Golden, golden Tux. tux. I knew it was Golden. I tux. wish it, I wish it was called the Golden Shower because I would have known to avoid it. That's what I because that thing was like a fucking <laughs> that thing was a nightmare for me. <laughs> Tell me why. Tell me why. Oh, buddy. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I got a real glimpse of the business of Hollywood on that movie. So I was, it was like around Balls of Fury time. So I was just like wheeling and dealing and making, the movie hadn't right. come out He's yet. Fucking was, on yeah. fire. Well, exactly. So, so, but Balls of Fury, when, it was like before Balls of Fury and after Balls of Fury. So, at this point in my career. So, because after Ball, Ball the Fury, it didn't really do well at the box office. Although I knew it would be like, a, you know, if this fucking movie's a cult, you know, fan favorite, but it didn't make that much money. So I was fucked because I needed it to be a blockbuster, you know? And um, so, okay, so I'm I'm making deals left and right, and I'm getting a taste of Hollywood. And so I'm presented right. with this script, the golden, the golden tux, and it's the, uh, you know, the Weinstein's, and the the writer, man, I'm forgetting his name, but at the time it was, there were a couple different writers on it. <laughs> he was, 
I remember sitting in the chef with my mind. He's like talking to me uh, about the script. And, um, and I don't know if, uh, if, um, if the audiences, uh, who saw the movie out there, but I was, I think I was probably supposed to play your role. The guy who's getting married, right? You were the guy that's getting married. Oh, sure. Okay. I'm sure. So I, I go to the writer and, and let me tell you something. It was in Vince Vaughn's hands before that. It was like, okay, so that, that script was, <laughs> that thing. He was supposed to play the Vince Vaughn was supposed to play the Kevin uh, the Kevin Hart part, so that that script was being taken around all over. But that thing was like a Frankenstein, and so I was I was looking at it and it changed names several times. So I was like the Golden Tux. So so a I was just like I have some notes, you know, because I I was like on a roll. <laughs> I was like, I don't know about the title. I don't know about the Golden Tux. And I was right, because I didn't fucking call it the Golden Tux. Uh, well, like, oh, well to be fair, hang on. To be fair, to be fair, Dan yeah. Fogler has literally gotten so many roles that I, I only could have dreamed of. I auditioned for uh, Fantastic Beasts. And they and they and I didn't even know that you were up for it. And they said to me afterwards, oh, no, we got our guy. He's, he's amazing. And I go, oh, okay, great. Who is it? They said, Dan Fogler, I go, couldn't have found a better fucking person to play this role. That is, I could never do a this role. That's so crazy. I, I, I totally forgot that you were going to do the Golden Text. Hey, Josh, I'm so sorry. I got to get you back on your uh, publicity interview. Oh, shit. Um, okay. Uh, Dan, you there? Okay. Yeah, dude. Uh, wait, can I can I just wrap by by saying a couple of things really quick? Well, I thought we had till eight. I thought we had about an hour. Did we, but, uh, hey, did we not have an hour? No, I'm sorry. I emailed you, Dan, um, because Josh, because of the tech issues this morning, Lindsay came back and was like, "We have to do at 11:45. We have to finish the interviews." Can we, Dan? Can we finish later? Uh, yeah, man. Let's let's. Uh, well, uh, when are you gonna be free again? I want to give you the end. I want to give you the end. So, uh, Tay, will you coordinate? Because I, I I owe Dan ten minutes. Yeah, for sure. Um, I will push your twelve o'clock, so I can get him back to you, Dan, in like oh, fifteen minutes or so, if that's okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, just call into the same number. Okay, great. Sorry about that. Thank you, worries. Dan. That's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. jump on in 15 minutes. Okay. All right. All right. Love God, you, brother. Godspeed. Love you, pal. Go for it. <laughs> See? He's a cool guy. I mean, that was, was kind of lame with the, <laughs> the assistant jumping on there. And I wonder if he planned that. I wonder if it was just like, as soon as we start talking about... These are the code words. Golden Tux and uh, Fantastic Beast Audition. If that comes up, I want you to cut into the conversation and tell them about this PR tour I'm going on. <laughs> no, I'm sure it's not that at all. I love this kid. This kid is fucking hysterical. And how, you know what? I love this man. He is a brother. 
Um, how wonderful is that? That this Mr. Barfay um, helped spawn both our careers, man. I mean, I, 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 that's I, Jesus Christ. I feel like I feel like a proud father. I really do. I'm not even fucking around here. Like I feel, whew, it makes me very, makes me very misty. Like <laughs> misty. Um, wow. Like I like I feel like a you know it's like when you um, when a father is watching, you know his son and his <laughs> I don't know it's probably gonna sound weird to Josh but he's watching his son and he's making a football. He's like. He makes a, he's in the end zone and he spikes the football and he's, that's my boy. That's, that's my boy. And now I feel like that way, I feel that way about Olaf. <laughs> I'm just like, you see that? You see that little snowman there? Singing his little heart out? That's my boy. That's my boy. I don't, I didn't really, you know, the DNA is not similar. Although... I mean, this is proof. We are two separate people, goddammit. Okay? We are not the same person. There are people out there that are just like, I've never seen him in the same place at the same time, these two guys. You know, I'll fucking, yeah, I'll take credit for Olaf. Yep, that was me. I'm going to start doing that. Probably sell some shitload more signature photos at cons. Um, what the fuck was I going to say? Nervous here. I got to fucking thread the eye of the needle. My wife comes on. She's got to borrow this line. You know, she's got to. I'm, I'm, I'm like squatting on her business line to record my podcast. Yep. That's how I roll. Right. We're not the same person, people. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's the whole like Michael Jackson, Latoya Jackson thing. All right. If anything, I'm Latoya. All right, I'm Latoya. <laughs> I handle the large snakes. Um, what what's going on? Uh, all right, hopefully, um, hopefully he's uh, back from his big PR tour around the world. Um, <laughs> I think I'm doing very well here, people. I think I'm doing very well. I am maintaining, um, and I think I, I don't know. I like this guy. Very happy, very happy for his success. I love what are you wearing now? It doesn't stop being creepy, but also very endearing at the same time. <laughs> okay, wait, let's not wait any, let's not waste any time, okay. Okay, and we're back. Okay, so wedding ringer, wait, you want, did you want to finish that story? What, what, was, your, what was the deal? No, my, my, I just love that our, our, our paths have crossed in so many roles. But the truth is, is that, like, every single role that you've gotten that I've been up for, I'm so grateful that you got because I never could have done what you did. You, you, uh, I can say this safely without offending anybody, but you steal those, uh, those uh, movies. Uh, the, uh, the, the, you know, the, the Harry Potter movies are, are literally – you are the bright spot in those films, and and I could have never created the role the way you did, and the and the joy and the warmth and the beauty that you brought to them is is tremendous. Uh, but that's so funny. 
you know, uh, I doubt we're going to be going up for much of the same roles anymore, Dan. You're, you're, you're in a whole different league, uh, in a whole different weight class. Well, you don't know, man. I mean, and if we do, great. Like, I, here, here, listen, that getting. Can I just say what, can I just say what I want? Can I say what I want? I want us to actually do a movie together is what I really kind of want. How do we do that? Okay, I got two movies that we could possibly do together. <laughs> um, and we should talk about it. Definitely talk about it. And I and I and I can send you stuff. And there's something. Although I feel terrible because here's the thing: is that I I, I wrote a show about my brother called Little Exodus, and you would be brilliant. You would just fucking be brilliant playing. But here we go. Bye. But here's the but. What? What if we did you cats? What if we do cats too? What did you say? No, who, who, who did? I'm I'm waiting for the but. You, you, oh, you oh, right. Brilliant. Sorry, no. Crumholtz. David Crumholtz is now in the part. Yeah, of course. The actor who could who could also be my who could also be my brother. But we're in the we're in the beginning stages of it. If it was something that you fucking loved. And you're you're like you know what this this shows many different shades, um, then you know I would I put David in something else. The other thing is um, I always wanted to do um, the Corsican Brothers, man. Where one guy, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Dan, my my phone was so fucking pissed that you cast David Crumholtz over me that it just dropped off. It was like that's bullshit and was out. No, I was saying, you know the um, the brothers Karamazov, you know. Ooh, oh, where one brother, two brothers on either side of the world have to make their way to each other. One feels the other's pain their whole lives. Think about it. I fucking love that. Wait, can I can I tell you something else? So I was. Um, I was approached many years ago about a biopic of Sam Kinison. Yeah. And and I literally That's dropped the other thing. You were attached, the... I'm attached, you're attached in my last Well, now, well, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing is I dropped off that movie and I said to the producer, yeah. there is only one person alive who can play Sam and his name is Dan Fogler. That is your Oscar. That's your Oscar role. That is you. I, I couldn't even begin to bring that character to life the way that you could. Okay, so Kinnison, sure. I don't know. why He is a, a, lives in a Lenny Bruce kind of uh, world, and, and I don't know if it, he, he, was, he, he was all about anger and, you know, and all about, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if he's the correct voice right now, which is why I think it's really fucking hard for this movie to get made. Okay, so that's the other thing we've crossed over on. I'm, I'm very, you know, the Fantastic Beasts that came out of nowhere for me, man. I fucking wished on a star for that shit to happen, for that that's incredible so thing to happen, I, because I, I, I was, I, I had nothing going on, man. I had nothing going on. I, I had my second daughter uh, come in, and, and I was just like, please, I need a miracle here. And I got it. Because 
when I went out, I, I, I went out and I, for all the auditions, I flew out over and over. And each time they said, you know what? Um, you did a great job, but you know, they, they have to, you know, go around the gamut of all the, the different actors who, you know, are viable for this role. And I was like, of course, of course. And in my heart, I was like, you know what? I did my best. I'm not going to get this. It's going to go to oh, Gag. It's going to go to you. Know, they, they would know everybody. Wait. You know, I, 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 honestly, I honestly look at the work you do in those films, and I'm like, I had no fucking business being up for this role. <laughs> you're so good in it. I was like, I can't do what you do. You're, you're just, you're so freaking good in, in those movies. And, and you do. You bring, you not only have this, like, comedic ability to just take something and make something so unexpected with it, but what makes you so fucking unique and special, and it's and and I'm sorry to continue to blow smoke, but it's important because you did, you really did give me my career. Is you have pathos to you, and it's what makes okay stand out. It's what makes your character in Fantastic Beasts stand out. Is you just you you bring a humanity to your characters that match with your cosmic comedic sensibilities is it's a very special gift it really is a very special gift thank you brother let me ask you a question because there are certain things that um you know i am absolutely jealous of of your your, of your uh, (laughs) you know your highlights in your career here, one of which, because I, I got into acting from being a toddler, imitating voices on Looney Tunes. Now, I don't know how, what uh, you're in with, with voices was, but my, my question is, in all of that, did you know that Olaf was going to be such a hit while you were doing it? Or what did you realize that, oh, my God, this is a fucking... This, your Olaf is the, the Jacob, you understand? Olaf it, makes it, those it, movies. It, For me. It is the greatest, thank you. It is the greatest gift in the world. I had no idea until I saw the movie, and my wife looked at me, and she goes, and my wife is, you, you've met me, but she is the most unbelievably and unnecessarily honest person I know. Like, to the point that I'm like, really? You really have to shit on my parade here? And she she saw the screening with me. And she goes, this one is special. And I was like, that was so sweet. That was so great. That was so wonderful. I loved it. And she said, this one is special. And I felt this sense of, like, uh, this reminds me of the movies we grew up with. Like, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, Lion King and Little Mermaid. Like, those are the movies that we grew up with. And I was like, yeah, there's something about it. But I was very confident that it was never going to approach the level of success in those films. So I was just happy that I dodged a bullet and the movie was good. In my wildest dreams, and it's the honest truth, I never could have imagined what it would become. Never. Still Still can't even grapple with it. It's crazy, right? Like, you're fucking... Like you go to you, you go to Disneyland, and you're up there with you're next to the genie man. You're like, 
right? I mean, that's, that's, well, that that is the one. You asked me what what's the one? That's the one. So it was for me. Right. It was Robin Williams, and I remember vividly being in a movie theater in Hollywood, Florida, where I grew up, the Sheridan Seven AMC, watching um, Aladdin for the first time, and it was like this thing that I never could have even imagined being brought to life. This it was this like awakening in my soul of something that was so tremendously powerful and entertaining and I knew that I had to one day do whatever the hell that was. So okay, so so that's that's one of the jealous things that I'm jealous of. Here's no, you other, don't need to be jealous. Other, Stop it. No, I no, no, I'm not. I'm not anymore. I just have to. I have to. I'm not. <laughs> but I, but I, I'm, I'm. I'm being honest with you. This is a cathartic thing for me. You know? Okay. Good. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um. So, the other thing is, so, okay. So I think of Brown Williams, and I also think of Billy Crystal. So the fact that you got to work with Billy, oh, I, I, we have we have like five minutes here, so I got to kind of jump through and. Well, Billy Billy is somebody that you and I, again, grew up being obsessed with. Billy was, uh, something tells me you're going to work with Billy. You guys have a similar sensibility, and and he is somebody who is so freaking collaborative and so genius and and a teacher to, to, I think, both of us without even knowing it, you know, who grew up watching Mr. Mr. Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live, uh, City Slickers, uh, you name it, subscribe. I mean, that was it. So he was he was everything. Um, you know, with Kenneth Branagh, it's it's one of those relationships that I I could have never imagined going to Carnegie Mellon. Same with I'm sure you guys at BU. When you're studying Shakespeare, you're literally yeah. your introduction. Studying to him it and is, much ado, we would go to see much of his movies. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Our teachers would bring in his Henry V. His much ado right. is Hamlet, right. and that would be our uh, our lesson in how to do Shakespeare. So to be on the receiving end of that brilliance has been a true joy, both with uh, Murder on the Orient Express and now, of course, uh, Artemis Fowl. Um, and and you know, and 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 here's the thing: is, is and I'm sure you feel the same way. Is like the collection of experiences that we take with us. Each one of them is a learning experience, and we, each one of them gives us an opportunity to glean something off of those people who we idolized and we and we looked up to. Um, and and I'll and I'll end this where I began it, which is to say, Dan, you were that for me. You were this this figure that I saw on the stage in New York City. And, and, and at Circle in the Square, and what I saw reminded me of my heroes. It reminded me of Chris Farley. It reminded me of John Belushi. You had this comic sensibility to you that was so unpredictable and remains so unpredictable. And it is, it is to me, as wonderful, rewarding, and equally an honor to have worked with the, the people you'd mentioned as it was to see you and get my start because of you. That is lovely, but this is about you, and this is the final thing I'm jealous of. So <laughs> this thing, okay, Damn so this it. thing you're doing now is fucking brilliant, dude. 
Okay, so during the 2020 coronavirus pandemic, where people were encouraged to practice social distancing, Gad launched the YouTube series Reunited Apart, which reunites the cast uh, via video conference of several popular movies, including The Goonies, Back to the Future, and fucking Flat. Okay, the series encourages donations from viewers to support. Go, please, people, look it up. Um, and uh, it's for an excellent cause. Uh, and it's for, for clean water and sanitation for all Americans. And I want to hear just your just summary of what that's been like dealing with these amazing casts, dude. It, it's, been, it's been so surreal. I, I did it because I had been, at the start of the pandemic, I decided to read to kids on Twitter and Instagram. Um, it was a way that I felt I could give back at that time. Uh, and then shortly thereafter, a lot of like-minded uh, personalities and celebrities started doing the same thing. And I felt like I was sort of no longer needed in that space, but I still felt like, fuck, I've got to do something that I can do to bring joy, that I can do to bring uh, resources right now. So I, I thought of the thing that would bring me more, more joy than anything, and it was sitting with my girls and watching these movies that we grew up with. And I was like, you know how fucking magical it would be to bring these casts together as, as I was getting such joy from Zooming with old friends of mine, as I'm sure you were too. So what would it be like to bring together these casts who haven't seen each other and allow them to do the same, all in the name of raising awareness and money for dip, a different charity every episode? So Project Hope, Dig Deep, the Center for Disaster Philanthropy, and so we've been doing, uh, you know, a, a couple of episodes. We did Splash, The Goonies, Back to the Future, and our next episode is the fucking Lord of the Rings, which I can't even believe I'm saying. Um, and Holy it, shit. It, you know, it, it's really special, and it's really uh, – I, I think it's so joyful for so many people in the same way that it's so joyful for me, which is this takes us back to a time and place that felt safe and familiar and wonderful. And all of us love these movies so much. And these movies, these movies mean so much more than just being films. They're a part of our psyche. They're a part of who we are as a society. And in many ways, they've influenced us uh, on a number of levels. But for me in particular, I'm on this call with you today because of these films, because they inspired me to want to do this. So it, it, it really has been a true joy, and I'm very excited. We have a couple of uh, episodes in store that I think are going to blow your mind. Godspeed, young oak, fortunate one. I cannot wait to play your brother. I'm very excited about this. I think, I think, um, I think we would see what would happen is that we would both be up for um, the Academy Award together, and that would just get crazy, dude. Let's meditate on that. Let's do it. I would be so honored to lose the Academy Award to you. Dude, uh, and I to you, sir, and I to you. Um, You're the greatest. You know what? You're the greatest. Thank you for having me on, brother. Man, my pleasure. It was an absolute pleasure. Um, get back to your busy life and, and stay healthy and safe and uh, be with your family and all that. And thank you, you coming too. I love you, my friend, of course. And uh, and stay safe and love to your fam. All right. Much love, guys.
Thank you, pal. Thank you. Bye. Say hi to your folks. I will. I will. Love, yeah, them. You do. Love them so much. <laughs> your mom, your mother was as quelling as my mother was, and I and I always loved that about oh. her. I was always so just in awe of her. I am Spartacus. I am Spartacus. <laughs> yes. All right, brother. <laughs> Have a great one, brother. You too.